This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind MAPCO at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our our trifecta fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes specializing in metal parts machining and fabrication since 1960 girding enterprises has excelled in the machining process a truly american company girding enterprises has gone from one man shop in a basement to a world-class machine shop with over 20 employees we strive to uphold the highest level of quality while constantly improving our efficiency level in order to offer the most affordable prices to our customers Visit us online at girdingent.com or give us a call at 636-274-9802. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family. We would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, Take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group, and about face radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, we are live on your Sunday night. 
on About Face Radio, Heroes Media Group, and across all our social media platforms. Uh, just to reiterate what happened the other day, our friend and uh, brother from the Marines, Paul Kluback, took his life. He uh, left his uh, his Facebook post with his, uh, his final farewell to the world. He could not fight the demons, could not fight the darkness anymore, and wanted to get some rest. If you are having those same feelings, don't hesitate to reach out. You have friends, you have family that will reach out, they will drive to you, they will get you, and they'll take you to the right place to get you to the right place. We need you here. Just remember that we need you here. With that, our next guest is a retired Army Lieutenant Colonel. He is also the founder of the Price of Freedom Foundation. He was born into a military family, and like most military brats, he got to move many times before he entered high school. He went to college on Army ROTC scholarship and began his own 24-year career retiring as the lieutenant colonel. He has held many various uh, management roles in several companies, including, most recently, Amerisist and Chamberlain University. He resides now in White House, Tennessee, and plans to make that his home. So without further ado, let's welcome, welcome back from uh, our eighth episode, Dennis Schrader. How are you, Dennis? I'm doing great, Bill. Or Rich, I'm sorry. I was thinking of somebody else. I apologize. I'm so, doing great, uh, Rich. <laughs> awesome. Like we said in the pre-show, it's great to have you on again. Uh, you are our eighth episode just over two years ago uh, in March. Mm -hmm. I think March 29, 2021 is when our year show aired. So yep. it's been two years since we talked about the project. And uh, many people uh, are new to the show now. I'd like you to just dive in and tell people what the project's about. And then we'll go into where sure. we are now. Oh, absolutely. Well, the Price of Freedom Foundation is an organization that's a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, I started this about four years ago. Um, the purpose of this is to, is to collect, preserve, and tell the full life stories of those who paid the ultimate price for our freedom, those who died while in uniform while serving in our uh, nation's armed forces, whether that's active duty uh, or the reserve components. Um, and uh, we want to do more than simply what you're going to see here in about another month when Memorial Day rolls around and you see the tributes that uh, are going to be aired. Uh, most of those are going to be fairly, uh, I mean, they're sincere and I, I don't take anything away from them but they don't do a deep dive into the stories uh, of the people who, um, who died uh, serving our nation. And I felt that the families uh, and the friends and the legacy uh, of our brethren and our sisters who served alongside us uh, deserved more than that. Uh, so what we do is we, take a deep dive. Um, we, in the, for the most part, we start with the gold star families and with their permission, we, and assistance, we find as many people that knew their fallen, um, loved one from childhood all the way through to the end of their life. And we ask each person to help us tell that story. And we ask them to sit down and do an in-depth interview. Sometimes it's going to be kind of at distance, like, uh, you know, kind of like the show. And in, in a sense, um, we'll have a conversation that we record um, and ask that person to tell as much as they can uh, about 
uh, the person we're honoring. Now, um, th and that will include people that, that, that knew them as a child. So if parents are living, we want to talk with parents, siblings, schoolmates, um, boyfriends, girlfriends throughout their life. Um, if they had children, if they're adults, we want to talk with the, with the adults. Um, basically all their veteran uh, uh, colleagues. Um, and then we ask for things that help to tell the story. So things like uh, copies of personal letters, photos, videos, <clears throat> those that uh, uh, have been, uh, who, whose loss happened since the advent of social media will ask for access to the social media accounts. And we take this whole amalgam of stories and material and give it to a writer whose task will be to write the full story, a full biography from beginning to end, uh, weaving all of that together into, uh, you know, with, with a con continuous story, con one voice, uh, because you know, I've had people say, hey, well, you know, in today's world, everybody's on social media, you can find out all you want, but it's it's a mess. I mean, uh, there, it's, it's hard to make sense of all of that. So the, the writer's job and task is to make sense of that entire story. We produce a, um, a written book. Um, our goal is to have a 150-page book or more uh, in terms of page length um, that we then give to the family uh, in hardbound legacy uh, edition at no cost to them. And, and we provide a copy of that as well to every person who uh, participated in the interviews. Um, and we intend to uh, use the videos, recordings uh, to create a video documentary. Um, eventually, when we have the resources to do so, that's exactly what we will do. Uh, we currently are working with four families our very first family was the one that we were probably talking about on that first show. Uh, we started working on that first story about two years ago. And that book is ready to, I mean, it's at the publisher. It's complete. We just don't have a launch date uh, set. I'm hoping it's going to be within the next week or two. Uh, we've titled the book Silent Soul, The Machinist Mate, First Class Alfonso Abdel Amos Story. Um, and it tells the story of a, uh, a Navy machinist mate who, at 18 and a half years of service uh, in the Navy, was lost at sea off the USS Kitty Hawk um, in October of 1998. Um, and it's, it's been a tremendous uh, experience from my standpoint. And when I talk to the family members, it's been a great experience for them, too, because it's been a voyage of discovery for them. Um, nobody has the full picture of our lives except for us, ourselves. Everybody else has a slice of it. And so every single person that we've interviewed um, has been able to tell us their slice, their piece of it, and nobody had the full picture. So being able to pull all these pieces together has been a rewarding experience for them even before the book is published. Um, so. Um, the other piece to this, and something that we're just recently trying to encourage veterans to do, is to start with a veteran and uh, ask the veteran who may have lost uh, a buddy 
to pay tribute. Uh, so, you know, whether you, we do it through an interview process like this, or whether the veteran just comes on and and makes their own little uh, you know video, doesn't matter the the length. The, it can be as long or as short as you want, but I know that there is um, there's something positive about paying tribute to a fallen comrade. And so that's that's another piece. If we, as we get those, um, what we'll also try to do is reach out to the family, the Gold Star family associated with that uh, fallen comrade and offer them the, the full services. But it's, it's uh, our very first veteran that I spoke with uh, in this regard had, uh, uh, was a Vietnam War veteran. And at the end of the, uh, the interview, he uh, is a friend of mine uh, here locally in White House, Tennessee. Um, said, Dennis, I don't know why I didn't uh, agree to do this for so long. It took about a year and a half of my kind of pestering him from time to time. <laughs> and uh, he's, you know, he'd had, been, had a certain specific nightmare that he'd had for 50 years, every night. And that the night after we had that interview, he said it was the first time in 50 years that he didn't have that nightmare. So don't know that, that it could have that kind of a dramatic therapeutic effect uh, for other veterans, but I just know that it's, it's always a good thing, always a good thing to be able to honor our, our fallen. Definitely is. And uh, you made a key point there. He was able to sleep the next day. And uh, I noticed in my own journey that uh, when I was finally able to get stuff off my chest, I felt much better after I got stuff off my chest and that it took a long time. It took a long time for me to be seen well, me to realize I had a problem then me to get seen after that. But once I did, I've seen the light. I said, Oh, now I know what to do. So when I started the show, I think I told you this when we did the last episode, the last time we chatted, when I started the show it was to get veterans on here to tell their story so they can take that deep breath and exhale and, kind of what you're doing, but you're doing it in a, a way different uh, format, a way better format than we are. It, we're both doing great things for people, but I right. think what you're doing is great for not just the family, but like you said, all the people that you interviewed along the way, they get that piece too at the end and they're yes. able to sit down at their coffee table or wherever their, their love me room is. They can sit down there and talk about uh, Machinist Mate 1, Alfonso Abdel Amos, and still have their bourbon that night and say, hey, I remember this dude, man, this dude was funny. Good God, he was yeah. funny. He's, oh, he and, was. And that was, that was a cool thing about him and this story. Of course, every story is going to be different. Every story is going to be unique because we're all unique individuals. But every person that we interviewed um, said that he was the kind of guy that loved to make you laugh and loved playing music, <laughs> kind of the life of the party kind of guy. Uh, we, our author... Um, titled the, the book Silent Soul, because like a lot of guys, a lot of guys I know, a guy that I was when I was younger, I never spoke about anything that bothered me to anyone else. I kept it all inside. Well, Alfonso kept it all inside to the end. And so uh, it was a little, it was a, a great challenge actually uh, for our writer to to pull that together when you really don't have any um, any material about his own thoughts and what was going on. So you have to do a lot of kind of conjecture uh, and pull from 
the interviews of his wife and the, his shipmates, et cetera, about, you know, what was going on in his life? What do you think he was, uh, you know, what was, what was going on in his head? How did he feel about these, this thing or that thing? Um, and uh, our author was a guy by the name of uh, Keith Hayden, and he's an Air Force Academy grad uh, and has, he's now a, um, a military spouse living in Okinawa. He's published two prior books, one a book of fiction and another a nonfiction book on uh, language learning skills and had a heart for doing a project like this. But he had also spent his active duty time in the Air Force as a criminal investigator. And he brought to my awareness and brought his skills to bear um, that we really need uh, researchers to be able to flesh out other details. So an example would be um, when Alfonso uh, was lost at sea, uh, the ship that he was on, the USS Kitty Hawk, was transitioning between South Korea and Japan. And there was a storm at sea. He was able to uh, get information about exactly what was going on with that ship, why it was moving from one place to another, the conditions of the, the you know, not just the weather and the tactical situation they were in, you know, back then still Cold War, nothing hot, but, you know, with North and South Korea, there's always that level of tension uh, there um, and be able to paint the picture of all the geopolitical forces that were going on and how uh, it most likely affected Alfonso. Uh, and so that's really something that we're now looking for are uh, people who can be researchers for the next three stories that we're currently working on um, to be able to look at details of, you know, this person was a, was lived in these locations at these times, was assigned to these bases. What was going on? <clears throat> you know, what sort of exercises were going on? What sort of conflicts may have been going on? Um, so that we can day -day, fill so. in the details around the, the stuff that we get through the interviews. Uh, so that's definitely, uh, you know, for folks listening, if they want to support us, we definitely could use some volunteer researchers. And of course, we need some writers too, because uh, Keith did such a fabulous job. Um, and he was in a position where he didn't need upfront money from us. Um, and we couldn't, we weren't in a position where we could provide it either. So we're going to be paying him a royalty, uh, once the, we get the book sales coming in. Um, but it took him five months of his life to, to do this project. Uh, and so, you know, not, there's very few writers out there that are probably going to be in that same position, but if there are any that have a heart for telling the stories of those who are no longer with us and cannot tell the stories for themselves. Uh, we need you. We, we need you. And we've got three families waiting for you. So, um, you yeah, that's, it's, that's kind of where we're, where we came from, from that, that, uh, episode two years ago to <laughs> now, and it shouldn't take us two years to get the story done. Right. Uh, the, about the last year, uh, has been, much more of a process of trying to figure out all the nuts and bolts and details that I didn't know and before about the publishing process. So 
what's taken us almost a year to figure out we can knock out in about a month or two <laughs> for, yeah, for the following books. <laughs> thanks to that learning curve you've had over the two plus years you've been doing this now. I mean, right. that, you learned so much along the way uh, doing uh, Machinist Mate 1, uh, Amos's uh, story, along with the other families as well. You're doing it all simultaneously. But you're learning so much along the way. Now, as they come in, it would be a lot easier because you've learned so many life business lessons, life lessons along the way with this. And right. I think you said something awesome earlier. I mean, he was in the Navy 18 plus years. So that's a lot of time away from his home, a lot of time away from his family that he grew up with to get those stories from his first part of his life, the first chapter, and then mix that with that second chapter of life to bring this product that has to bring chills to you as you're reading it. You, you've already seen the finished product. You've been oh, able to see oh, yeah. the, the story and say, wow, his family's going to love this. When they see this thing and know everything he did throughout his right. life and yes and uh we've shared the manuscript with a, a couple of his uh well at, in his specific situation he uh left behind a wife and three small children who were 5 10 and 12 at the time and now the children are in their late 20s to mid 30s um and we've shared it with the with his two daughters um and so they've had the benefit of seeing it especially the youngest, because this was really kind of, uh, it was a project for her. Um, she and her siblings had been trying to piece their father's story together for a year on their own um, because she had zero recollection of her father. Uh, the, the two older siblings had some memories of him and they just were not getting very far and not to, um, not to, 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 put any aspersions on anybody, but, you know, it was, it was the older folks in their family, you know, kind of my, my age and, and the like that were saying, oh, it's, it's happened so long ago. It's water under the bridge. Everybody's moved on. You all have successful lives, et cetera. But it was a question for her. And so this has been kind of a voyage of discovery for, for her. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that, that as we progressed with this, that she was kept appraised of, you know, everything that's been going on. In fact, I just had communication with her today because we're trying to, we're trying to find a way to get this um, into a video documentary. And, and you know, we just don't have the, um, we don't have the connections and we don't have the experience certainly in doing this, but uh, also it's, there's some resources too, but it's like, I, the last thing I want to be able to, I want to do is to go out and say, Hey, give us money. And we think it's going to be this much without really knowing for sure what it's going to cost us to, to, to do this and to do it well. So my hope is that I can have a conversation with maybe an indie filmmaker who's had the experience of creating a, a film and taking it to some sort of market um, so that they can say, this is what it, the pathway is, and this is how much it's going to cost approximately so that we can maybe go out and make an appeal to our followers or do a Kickstarter campaign or something like that uh, so that we can actually get this into video form because the book is really there for current and future generations. Um, in this family's case, the uh, none of the siblings have had any children, but I know one of them is planning to. And so she was telling me how she valued this as something that when her children in the future are old enough that they 
that can have that to be able to tell them about their grandfather. Um, but the videos are really where uh, we want to be able to tell the story to the public as a whole. Because as you probably know, working with Gold Star families, that the number one most common issue amongst Gold Star families is the fear and actual realization that outside of the immediate family and friends, within a year or two of the loss, uh, their loved one's been essentially forgotten. And the way to help mitigate that is to be able to tell their story truthfully and honorably in a video format so that it can be out there and people can see it and it can reach an audience on an ongoing basis that is broader than uh, th that family can reach on their own. That's so fair. that's that's the two kind of main drivers for uh, what we're doing. And what I intend to spend the, the rest of the days that the good Lord gives me on this planet to uh, <laughs> to do. I think you're doing great things. And uh, something came to my mind when you were talking about the videography. We have a lot of uh, universities here in Tennessee, especially down by you. Mm -hmm. You could uh, have you thought of reaching out to one of them to see if you can get an intern to do it from one of the students? You know, I've, I've talked with several. I've talked with several. It's been a while. I mean, so we were still dealing with uh, COVID and the lockdowns and the like. But I had some conversations on the video side because there's a couple of art schools here that do video, et cetera. The biggest challenge that I that they have with what we are trying to do is it doesn't fit well well within an academic curriculum and time frame, and so that's been the the biggest uh, stumbling block uh, that I've had thus far. But you know, I I have it on my to do list to reach back out to. Um, I understand MTSU has great yes. uh, large. Uh, uh, student body of veterans that I'd like to be able to somehow get the word out to that says, hey, this is what we're doing. Then you'd be willing to come and uh, help us, you know, uh, whether it's and if we can work something out that works within your gives you academic credit for it. We'd love to do that. But you know, otherwise, you know, we're still looking for people like the handful of volunteers I have now who do it because they have a heart for doing this. Right. That just popped in my head when you were talking about that. So I know a lot of them need that. They need that extra stuff to get get their degrees anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's one mm -hmm. thing that push more. Usually, it's their last semester to get to do an internship or fellowship outside of the school building where they can do it. It does not be paid, but it, you get paid in experience, basically. So right. it'd be pretty awesome for them to do that. It would, and and I have a uh, sort of a background in education. I uh, my master's degree is in education, though I got that when I was early in the army back in the eighties. Of course, the army didn't really put me to work that <laughs> in that field. Uh, but uh, the, the, the job I had just prior to uh, starting uh, this uh, nonprofit was really with uh, Chamberlain College of Nursing. So, um, I, and there I was doing outreach to uh, military and veteran nurses that were wanting to um, advance their degree. But it's like, so I, I've rubbed shoulders with a lot of the educators there, and I have a sense for what they would need uh, in terms of doing the the write-ups and the structure of the plan, et cetera. And so I'd be more than willing to craft uh, what uh, any particular student may need 
uh, to meet their academic requirements. Definitely. I mean, that's a, it's a great, it's a win-win for both of you. So I think uh, they'll jump on that as soon as you give them the right verbiage, I guess, for that, to make that work out. Um, right. On your website, you have uh, two more of the, the veterans on there, two more of the fallen that we have on there. You have uh, James Bernard, right. uh, uh, Lee Gordon, Sergeant First Class U.S. Right. Army, and you have Senior Airman Daniel James Johnson. Tell us right. a little bit about both those two guys. Um, Sergeant Gordon was uh, um, a Vietnam uh, veteran. He was, uh, um, he was, according to his daughters, he was the soldier, soldier, and uh, he was in Vietnam uh, for several tours, um, leading leading soldiers. Uh, he was uh, infantry. Uh, I'm not certain if he was special forces off the top of my head. I can't recall. I, we do have his military records, but I, I don't think he was special forces, but he was, he was out there and he was, you know, uh, basically leading soldiers and leading soldiers into combat, um, and, um, protecting, especially the young, young soldiers. He was an East seven by the age of 27. Um, and, um, he was killed in Vietnam, um, not in combat though. Uh, he was killed in a helicopter, uh, accident. Uh, I've read the accident report from the time. Basically, they were they were in a flight of several uh, helicopters. They were basically looking for enemy to engage with them, and the helicopter that he was in uh, developed transmission uh, uh, trouble, loss loss of uh, loss of hydraulic fluid, and they were attempting to. Um, you know, to find an airfield or a landing LZ where they could put down safely and uh, catastrophic failure. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the helicopter, the Huey that they were on uh, crashed and ordinance that was, you know, fuel and ordinance combination was not good. Uh, there were no survivors. Um, I think there were 11 uh, that were uh, on that, that, that particular helicopter and, and died that day. Uh, from that. Um, and he also uh, had three children that he left behind. And uh, so we're in the process of, uh, we've interviewed uh, several of the, the family members. We, we, what we really need to do, uh, and I really need the researchers to help me with this, is to be able to dig into the details of, you know, where he went to school prior to, to uh, in his joining the army, trying to reach out to those, um, um, those uh, uh, alumni associations to see if we can find anybody who remembers him. You know, maybe they were friends with him in high school and the like, um, so that we can have some, uh, some additional uh, points of view um, about his life. Um, and we really are just barely getting started on um, on our next, uh, the, the airman, uh, I've had conversations with his mother. And in fact, uh, next Saturday, she's going to be here in Nashville and I'll be speaking, uh, meeting up with her and speaking with her more, uh, directly. You know, like I said, a lot of times we really need the families to be able to provide us a starting point and to say, okay, here's some people that we know. You know so I've, I've had a long conversation with his mother. Um, and so I, I have his, her perspective, but I, we really haven't got 
beyond that yet. And hopefully, I mean, we'll, we'll have that soon, but we're not on a production timeline. Right. It really is a matter of at what pace is that family wanting to go? Right. So we do need those. some things to start with. Um, and if they're not ready to, to provide that information yet, then that's fine. You know, we'll wait, you know, it's, um, and it's, that's the, the case. We have a, another family that we've, uh, you know, the mother was, um, has said she's willing to go forward, sent her the agreements that we need, the legal documents, et cetera. She hasn't returned those yet, but she will, you know, I know she will. And, uh, that's kind of where we're at with, with that. But, and my vision for this is so much larger than that because you and I both know just in service member, you know, so soldier, Marine, Navy, Air Force suicides. Yes. You know, we have hundreds every year and that's horrible that we have that many. But and it's also uh, something on my heart that it's like I've heard from the Gold Star families that suicides are those families are excluded from the Gold Star Family uh, program. Now, I, I may may be wrong about that, but not anymore. That's the, They're not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. All right, good. Well, well, but the unlike when, um, say, like uh, uh, Machinist Man almost or Sergeant First Class Gordon, when they passed, hmm. they got contacted right away and right. welcome into that family kind of thing. The Gold Star Family. I think with suicides, the family really has to, especially if they're already out of service. They right. have to do to reach back and get the ball rolling to come back right. and get that support. And, and what I really, you know, my, my belief is that those families in particular need to be embraced and supported um, because there's still such a stigma around suicide. Um, and uh, so I want to be able to tell those stories and we want to tell those stories as tragically as they ended, uh, I believe that if we tell them truthfully, honestly, and honorably, that you can take a tragic story and help others to learn something from it. Um, you know, I know myself, the whole issue around suicide is one that's close to me because um, I had an aunt uh, who committed suicide when I was very young. Um, I myself at age 17 uh, had, I was, I was so messed up in my head, but it's like I, I had my father's loaded 38 revolver to my right temple, had my finger on the trigger and was about to pull that trigger when a thought came to me and asked, you know, what, what do you think your parents are going to think? when they come home and find their oldest with his brains blown out all over their bedroom. And in that situation, I was not angry or upset with my parents. This was all about me being crazy, stupid, self-condemning, uh, et cetera, all these thoughts going through my head. And that thought made me take my finger off the trigger and, and put that away. But I know how close I personally came to it. And, I also uh, wrestled with depression and oftentimes uh, suicidal thinking throughout my army uh, career. 
Um, so I know that there's a lot of folks and I, and I've known other folks, other, other, uh, service members that I didn't know closely. Uh, but my last, uh, regular assignment out in, uh, in Hawaii, there was a, um, commander of a reserve hospital physician by all outward appearances had it all who committed suicide while, uh, while I was stationed out there and it, it just shocked and upset everybody. Um, so it's, it's, it's something that, um, I, I know we feel uh, an affinity for trying to help those that are thinking that way to, to, uh, live another day and to maybe, uh, get some help with, uh, not that, I mean, cause I'm thinking about myself. It's like when I was going through this, would I have changed my thinking if somebody said, oh, you need help? No, no. In fact, that probably would have pushed me further away. But if, if we can influence them to say that there's people who are going to uh, miss you, that you're important, that no matter what the situation is that you think is um, uh, you can't get out of, that truly there, if you just sit and you just you know, just be still that it will pass because that's what happened with me. It passed uh, these, I, I went through these, uh, what I call mental storms, uh, where I would be berating myself, uh, sometimes out loud, but with the most vile, disgusting things you can think of. Um, and over time, when I'd start to fight those, those kept getting worse. So what finally seemed to work for me was to simply find a place where I could be alone and made a commitment to myself that I wasn't going to go anywhere. So like basically I got a, it never happened here, but it's like if I had a, a closet, like I've got a nice big walk-in closet right behind me there, I'd just go into a closet and I'd sit down, I'd close the door and I'd let that mental storm just go, let it rage, let it do its, do its, you know, do its worst. And my only commitment was that I was just going to sit there. And I did. And usually after an hour, maybe two, it would pass and I'd be able to get up and, you know, continue on. So, um, in my encouragement to those who may be, um, having similar kinds of experiences is to, is to reach out if you're willing to, because there are people who are willing to listen and be able to uh, be a, a buddy to just kind of not have solutions necessarily, but just to be there and share the pain with you. And uh, otherwise just to kind of let it, let it wash over and, and see another, see another dawn. Yes. That's why I, I tell them in, in my intro there, I say, uh, if you see the darkness, mm-hmm. stop. Think about those around you. Think about who who's going to miss you. Think about all those things. I've had three Marines on here. All three of them attempted, uh, had the same situation as you, mm-hmm. uh, pistol, pistol in hand, ready to go. And all three of them had a divine intervention of some sort. And mm-hmm. on one attempt and the second attempt for two of them had a second attempt where they, they finally woke up and said, hey, I have something to live for. I have a purpose. I can, mm-hmm. I can run forward. I can do this. Uh, my friend Paul last week, he lost the battle and he, like you know, the person you were talking about earlier, super successful, uh, mm-hmm. had 
had his own uh, detail business outside Chicago. He's a detail king of Chicago. Yeah, realtor, always happy, always smiling. I met him in Nashville on a soldier's ride. Big personality, great dude. And it was just a shock. And he, he yeah. wrote the whole thing on Facebook at 4 a.m. You know, I guess knowing that no one would be up at 4 a.m. to see it, to maybe stop him. But it it's a cry at that end, at the end of it. But he'll be missed, and he's a great story. And his uh, funeral is this week, uh, April 30th. There'll be his funeral up there in the Chicago area. Yeah, it's always a loss. It really is. And, um, you know, it's like you know, I, I, I join with you in uh, your heart and your efforts to, um, to help those that are wrestling with this, you know, like I was. And thank God, I don't know. I can't point to any one specific thing, uh, but I honestly have not had <clears throat> any of those kinds of um, internal uh, fights or conflicts or mental storms in probably maybe 10, 15 years, something like that. Uh, so um, I just, uh, my hope and my prayer is that for those that are wrestling with this now, that they'll take encouragement uh that you know from those of us that have been on that brink and didn't think that there was a point to going on and didn't think that there was going to be an end to the pain that um there is a better um purpose to stay on and stay through it um and um and that we can't see it necessarily from that that point of view and that where that position is looking back we can looking back i can see it uh but when i was in that spot i couldn't see it but I, I'm, I'm thankful that i had made that commitment to myself to just stay put right <laughs> yeah. and, and look at the what that decision did for you now so you were right. 17 and you went on to fulfill your college career then your entire military career retired at the rank of a lieutenant colonel Right. And all the bigger and better things after that. And now what you're doing is even bigger. You have, you have a purpose. So. Yes. God had a purpose for me. And it's like, I, you know, I have five adult children and 14 grandchildren. You know, they wouldn't be yeah. here. <laughs> None of those motive would be here. You know, so it's like, yes, it, it's, it's, it's so much easier to see in retrospect right. than uh, looking forward. It's like, you know, I, I believe this is a, uh, I guess a divine calling for this project because I, I really want this to be able to be offered to every gold star family and for this to go on far beyond my years on this earth. Um, but it's like, who knows? I don't, you know, you never know what, where, what the future is going to hold. And I just believe that one of the things that I loved about the military was, and that I see here is that we believed in, a, a purpose greater than ourselves. And that's what I, what I'm seeing here. And I think a lot of times, you know, thinking back when I uh, was out of the service and you know, I was unemployed for a couple of different times for more than a year each at each stretch. And it was really, really, really hard to be able to say there's a purpose to your life, Dennis, you know, you know and, and especially having, achieved the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. It's like, you're not supposed to be unemployed. <laughs> you're not supposed to be considering becoming a janitor to, to just to keep it, 
you know, the, the, the bills paid and the lights turned on, you know, you were, you had achieved so much. And it's like, it took, it was a, a very humbling experience, but I also know how, how difficult it can be sometimes to say, you know, that there's a, a, a greater purpose uh, for you individually in your circumstances uh, than what you're seeing now. And, you know, it's, it's, I believe it. I really do. I mean, it's, it's like uh, the folks that I see in, in uh, any circumstance, any situation, you know, I'm working with some, some guys locally here with some men's groups, some of them that are involved in some uh, drug and alcohol recovery programs, some that are working with the folks that are homeless. It's like you, there, there has to be a, uh, you have to be able to help the, the people who are in these dire, miserable circumstances to, to see that there is hope and there is, even though they may not be able to see it, you know, that, and that's part of why it ties so closely into my Christian faith, because that's one of the things that, that it was always taught. You don't see it. <laughs> there is a hope beyond what you can perceive. And, and so that's what we try to help um, folks to do is to see beyond the circumstances, beyond the mess, beyond the misery, that uh, it's not always going to be that way. It doesn't have to always be that way. And so anyway, that's, that's I don't know how I got down that rabbit hole. But. <laughs> it, was, it was good. It was a good uh, segue there. It was awesome. Uh, it's, especially after this, this week that the Misfit Nation had and, uh, right. and knowing that our brothers and sisters are, are doing this at a rate of what is reported as 22 a day. It's something that needs to be talked about and not hidden. And I talked to someone on the phone the other day and they they uh, went on on to say you know about COVID being, uh, they were angry about COVID because that no one talks about the mental health aspect of everyone's problems. Mm -hmm. It's not just military veterans. It's everyone's going through mental right. health problems. It's a it's an epidemic for a lot of people, and uh, right. that's something we need to start screaming from the rafters. Uh, let's let's get this help and and make it you know make it that it's okay to go get it and not say right. hey, you're messed up. You go in that room over there and don't don't come out for a while. Right, right, right. It, exactly. And and you know there's a there's a fellow veteran uh, that's here in in White House. We became friends since last July, and you know. Uh, what brought him here a couple of years ago was that he had he had tried to kill himself. In fact, he'll tell you that he actually died for a few seconds and his experience was facing God and being brought back to life. And um, it really changed how he perceives people and 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 the like. And so what I value about him um is his ability and willingness to have very direct and um open conversations with people about what's going on what's going on in his life what's going on in their life and be able to um get beyond just the <clears throat> the gloss and the glaze and the masks that we put on <clears throat> and whether that's you know just in our social environment our work environment or our churches because there's a lot of that that goes on in all of those uh settings you know that there's a lot of folks that are hurting uh in a wide variety of ways and 
it makes a huge difference. He has personally made a huge difference in a lot of guys' lives and the lives of youth in our uh, community by being willing to, to uh, have that conversation, hear what's going on with, with, the, with them, and just be able to, to be there with them in that, that pain or that mess or, you know, or the like, it's just phenomenal. And I'm, I'm uh, in awe of him and of what he's doing. And we're, we're encouraging him to start his own ministry, but it's like, we'll, we'll see what happens that, that, that way. But, um, but I think that if we were, if we were all uh, willing to be able to say, Hey, we're, we're going to be open and honest. I'm going to be open and honest. And it is safe for you to have a conversation with me about what's really going on in your life. Um, I think a lot of us, I know myself, uh, when I was in the service, when I was in uniform, I never found anyone that I felt would be safe for me to have the conversation about the, uh, the suicidal thoughts that I had. You know, I'm because, because there's always the, the, the risk that, you know, your career would be over. And back in the 80s and 90s, yes, they were trying to get encourage people to go and seek mental health counseling, etc. But when you do that, what happens next? You know, your security clearance gets at, least, at minimum gets flagged. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it gets pulled. You know, if you think you want to, to make the next rank, you know, that's not a good good career move at all. Especially so, like that. And, yeah. Yeah. And and so and I think that sometimes we think, well, if I if I tell them what's really going on, they're going to feel you know, think worse of me or they're going to you know this, that or the other thing. It's like we have to create environments where it's truly safe to have that conversation. And it starts with the individual. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with you know, being willing to, to sit down with a person face to face to say, you know, disclose, self-disclose. This is what's going on with me. And I'm willing to make myself vulnerable to you. And therefore, you know, you can, hopefully you'll be willing to reciprocate. Um, you know, but anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's where I hope more people will get to so that we can reach more people. And whether it's think ideas about suicide or just you know, being discouraged by all the stuff going on in the world and in life, you know, it's like hopefully we can uh, support, encourage, and uplift one another uh, in real ways. Definitely, I, I have that same hope. And you know, listeners, uh, make sure you heed the words that we're talking about here, and understand that there's people out there that will help you. People that will answer that phone, will pick up that phone, or if you drive to their house and say, "Yeah, I need help," they'll they'll take you inside and they'll they'll sit and talk with you, or sit on the back porch wherever you want to be, and mm-hmm. chat all night if you need to just to keep you with them. And uh, right. Also, listeners, Dennis said this earlier, he's looking for uh, researchers to help him with his uh, next uh, few veterans he has on there and, and those into the future. He can't do this alone. He needs help. And this is a great project to help keep the legacy alive of these, uh, these young warriors that uh, we have lost, uh, men and women that we've lost. And his project is a great way for you to jump in and help him out and help the project out, help the project keep moving forward the way it should be. So, Dennis, how can someone get in contact with you if they do want to become a researcher or if they're listening, say, hey, 
I know videography. I can jump in, maybe help Dennis out a little bit. Super. Yes. Well, they can call me directly at uh, 615-389-1867. Uh, that's the phone that uh, it's a cell phone I carry with me all the time, but it's dedicated strictly to the Price of Freedom Foundation. Uh, you can visit us on the web at www.priceoffreedomfoundation.org. Uh, you can email me at info at priceoffreedomfoundation.org. Uh, you can visit us on social media. We have a presence at the Price of Freedom Foundation on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can message us through any of those channels as well. So, um, you know, but I'd say if you've got somebody that, that wants to reach out to, to me and have a conversation, either the email or the direct phone call or text message are probably the most effective ways to, to get to me. Um, I should also, uh, I also also want to put out, you know, the call for veterans who uh, want to pay tribute to a fallen comrade. Uh, please, we'd love to hear from you uh, as well in, the, in, in that regard. Definitely. Uh, uh, brothers and sisters, if you're out there and you, you've lost your your brothers and sisters, either in combat or even after after service, reach out and uh, let's start getting their stories written down and uh, just their legacy can live forever instead of just on like uh, Dennis said earlier, when uh, organizations go to Memorial Day and they say a name, but they don't know anything about the person. It's better to know a lot more of the story than just say uh, Senior Amarin Dennis and James Johnson and bow down for a second. It's better to say his whole story. He's the EOD veteran. Uh, obviously, just off the pictures, I can see he looks like right. he's an amazing dude. But yeah, Dennis and and I'm 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 super excited to get not just his mom's perspective, but the other that knew him, uh, because yes, he was an amazing, amazing young man. Um, and as, as, as I get details about each of these families, it's like there, there, there isn't a one that isn't a phenomenal story to be told. And so, um, and if, if there's a gold star family listening, you know, we, um, we definitely want to hear from Gold Star families. You know, the, I believe there's value to you and to uh, your loved one's legacy uh, to be had, uh, and by telling that story and telling it completely. So, um, you know, are we are do, are we well resourced? No, we're not, not yet. But uh, hopefully, with the publication of our first book, we'll get some more attention. People can see. Hey, these guys are aren't just talking about what they're wanting to do. They're actually here's here's their final product, David, and and it's a good story. And they did 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 it well. So hopefully we'll get the backing of uh, you know folks who are in a position to do so. You know, some maybe some corporate sponsors or the like. Um, that would be great. Awesome, Dennis. Again, it's been great catching up with you after just over two years. Uh, Time flew there. It's, uh, yes, it you're doing great things, and we're on the cusp of the first book coming out. Can't wait to uh, send me an email or a message saying, "Hey, we're there. We got it. It's out there. It's public." So we can hopefully this week. <laughs> hopefully, I'll have a date. <laughs> we can blast it out on our socials and uh, help you out and help you uh, get a machine just made uh, one Amos's name out there, and uh, so everyone can uh, read his story and understand uh, his life and his legacy. Uh, great. Thank you so much, Rich.
Thank you. It's been an honor to be here with you and uh, look forward to, uh, you know, talking again sometime and um, we'll chat more maybe offline about uh, who, who I may be able to refer uh, to you for future guests or for your show. I love what you're doing. Outstanding. We'll be back in about two minutes. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 